0: Take your Bible, turn to the book of Matthew, Matthew chapter number 5 if you will. Chapter number five. I want to look at. Uh The end of the chapter. This is a, um, you know, we've been teaching on the idea of of having a heart for souls, um, uh, and also uh, the idea of uh, loving a heart for souls, loving souls, and that's that's not just in the realm. That's a kind of a. That's who we are. That's who we are as Christians. That's who we are and what we want to grow into. We'll get here in a minute. Matthew chapter number 5. If you look in verse number 43, this is, of course, part of the Beatitudes, uh, the teaching on the Mount. And I want to just kind of go over the, um, as Jesus taught out of, this is actually out of Leviticus. And it's not a new teaching. This is something that uh, was well understood by the, the Jews at that time. And it starts in verse 43 is where we're going to start. Uh, kind of a tall order. In verse 43, let's stand as we read the word of God together. He says, Ye have heard that has been said, Thou shalt love thy neighbor and hate thine enemy.'" But I say unto you, love your enemies, bless them that curse you, do good to them that hate you, pray for them which despitefully use you and persecute you, that ye may be children of your Father, which is in heaven. For he maketh the sun to rise on the evil and on the good, and he sendeth the rain on the just and on the unjust. For if ye love them which love you, what reward have you? Do not even the publicans the same. And if you salute your brethren only, the idea of salute isn't like a military, but greeting. But if you salute your brethren only, what do you more than others? Do not even the publicans so. But ye, therefore, perfect. Be ye, therefore, perfect, even as your Father which in heaven is perfect. Let's pray. Father, we thank you. Lord, by design. Uh, Lord, you have made it possible, Father, to be something that, Father, in and of ourselves we can't be. You've accomplished it through the finished work of the Lord Jesus. You've accomplished it, Father, by the authority of your word and your Holy Spirit living within us. Father, to do and be the person that, Father, what seems to be... An impossibility. So, Father, we're asking for your grace that, Lord, we could attain that stature that you mentioned here to be perfect or complete, just like our Father, which is in heaven. Lord, we yearn for that. We desire that. Lord, if we know if we're going to love our neighbors, we're going to love souls, we're going to have a heart for souls, Father, we've got to get some concepts understood. In Jesus' name, amen. You can have a seat. I'm not sure why we're functioning. It's up there. I may have to just give it to you from my PowerPoint. Leviticus chapter 19, if you want to turn there. Here it goes. I don't know why it didn't go before. I want you to turn there. I'm going to, and, I'm, and this may be some preaching in it, but mainly it maybe it's just a concept. Jesus did not teach something new in Matthew chapter number 5. It's not something new. This is something that they had either twisted or either didn't understand it and and made different applications for what this truth is. It's not quite understood, but the idea there is that something went amiss. How do you want to go down and get my SD card? It looks like this has gone away for some reason. Now maybe it didn't. Maybe it didn't. So the idea being there, and this is a phrase I remember when I was down, when my, my uh, Andre was down in uh, Porter, Texas, in their office they had a little sign that said, Jesus others you. And I, I, I looked at that and had to think, it was one of those things, others you. And I uh, had to think long and hard about that. But the idea there is that <clears throat> he does. He changes us to where the, the center focus of who we are isn't about ourselves. It really does become about other people. And it has to begin, and I, I went through this and I with my uh, class downstairs. I, I thought, well, I'm not been doing Sunday school, but I, I'm I'm actually going to repeat portions of this over for them because it is a concept. That if we get it right, it's going to make a huge difference in, in our own families. The idea of loving your enemy. We always think of your enemy as being somebody out there, when really it can be somebody within your own house. It can be somebody that you say you love dearly, but you treat them like your enemy. I hate to speak on a, on a position of authority, but I've practiced that in the wrong way. You think you know if anybody ought to understand how to treat their family or how to treat their their spouse? It ought to be the pastor, right? Right? You ought to really have it under control. You ought to really understand how to do that. But unless you're taught from the scriptures that we don't have another option, it's not like well, it's a good suggestion that you do this. It's mandated by the Bible. But it's mandated in such a way that God says, listen, I know you don't have it in you to do it, but I'm going to do it through you. I'm going to give it the grace that you need to behave in the right way. And I hope I really do, because I'll be honest with you, I don't feel, even as a person that's been saved since I've been in my early 30s, I don't feel that I really practice this. And I want to begin to say, listen, if I'm going to have a love for souls, a heart for souls, then i really got to get this basic structure of what it means to love your neighbor as yourself. Not, a, not the concept there that, that we're going to love those that love us. If you treat me nice, I'll treat you nice. You be mean to me, I'll be mean to you, Right? The, God, the idea there is that God gives us the ability. So we're going to start in Leviticus. Well, I want you to see, first of all, where this comes from in verse number 18 of Leviticus. But we're going to go back and we're going to work this whole chapter through. In 1918 of the book of Leviticus, you're going to see here, as he ends this, this topic of our personal conduct, and how to be righteous. You're going to see there in verse 18. Thou shalt not avenge nor bear any grudge against the children of thy people. But. Now he's, he's given you a, a contrast. Alright. Avenge. That means they got something going on inside us that are not very happy with what how somebody is treating or the way we feel about someone. But he says, but thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. And then he puts this phrase right on the end of it, as you're going to see through a couple of other verses, I am what? The Lord. It's like he has to sign off on this and saying, listen, this is supposed to happen. Listen, this is the... I mean, you go out into the world. How many of you have heard people that have no idea that maybe they're getting this from the Bible, quote this verse. Right? How many have heard people that don't know the Bible quote this verse? Love thy neighbor as thyself. That's like John 3.16. Everybody knows this is the way it's supposed to be. But unless you know Christ as your Savior, you will, and even if you do know Christ as your Savior, you more than likely will fail this command that God gives us. Yeah, I, I hope that you take some notes. I, if I, I was thinking, I was going to say something to Kathy. I'm thinking about putting these outlines on the back of these bullets and you take them home. Because if you never make application for this, listen, It's if you can't practice this in your marriage, then you're not going to practice it with your children. Right. If, you, if you're not going to practice this with the one you love the most, the problem is you're never going to love souls. You can't. Because you'd have to love them through who? Jesus. He is the channel of blessing that God wants to use. And I'll be honest with you, I, I honestly rarely have seen this really applied in the Christian life. I mean, I haven't seen very many examples, and if I did, I've, I can't put my finger on them. I think some people at times and and moments have behaved in the right way, but for the most part, we run not on what the Bible says, thus saith the Lord, I am the Lord. We run on our feelings, right? We run on our emotions. We we run on, 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 on something else. We don't run on what thus says God, I need to be. Look in your Bible. We're going to follow this down through there. Of course, Leviticus verse 1, the Lord spake unto Moses saying, we're not going to cover that, It just that God says, listen, I'm giving you something, direct revelation, direct understanding. But in verse 2, he says, he starts off the whole thing, ye shall be what? Holy. holy. That idea of holiness is not an option. He says, for I, the Lord, your God, am holy. That means there's a, there's a standard of right and wrong, yes? There's a standard of what it means to be set apart to be just like God. God doesn't change. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. God doesn't run on his emotions. Does God have emotions? Certainly. But he doesn't run on them. There's joy over in heaven over one sinner that repenteth, right? That's an emotion. But he doesn't run on his emotions. He runs on who he is. What defines God is the Bible. And what should define us and our relationship with God and with other people is the idea of who God is. That is a huge and enormous responsibility and task. That if, it, if it's going to be gone, it's going to be because God works through us. You can't just have, you can know the concept and you can say, this is the way I'm supposed to behave, that don't mean you're going to do it. There's a lot of people who know what is right, but that doesn't mean they do what's right. They know what they should say, but that doesn't mean they're going to say what they should say. That do not mean they know that being angry, bad, or bad, bitter or in your heart, and you know it shouldn't be there, but how many of us have it? It's there. And the only way to overcome that is by our relationship to the Lord Jesus Christ. So he says, you've got to be holy. He says, for I'm only looking verse number 3. He says, you shall fear every man his mother and his father and keep my Sabbath. I am the Lord your God. He say, well, he's going right back. He's saying, well, we know that's one of the Ten Commandments, right? Keep, remember the Sabbath day and keep it all holy. We know that the Sabbath day was a Saturday. We know that, of course, we practice that because of the resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ, we now come together on, the, on Sunday. But the Sabbath day was a day of what? Rest. Rest. He says, you do all your work in six days. By the way, we can work six days. Sometimes we got into that idea, well, I work five days. You can work six days. God says you can work six days. Right? Sometimes you need to sleep once in a while, but you do need, the Bible says you can work six days. But the seventh day was a day of rest. And you think about when he he ordained these things, listen, he provided everything for them, right? All that manna, all their clothes, all their shoes, the water, everything they needed for 40 years in the wilderness. Doesn't mean they didn't have to go out and collect it. But they had it; God provided, and we rest. Listen, even today, we rest in what in Him. We don't have to say, "Well, listen, I got to do this; I got to make this happen." No, we rest in what He says. We depend in what He says. We live, and in essence, the Bible says we live by what faith. The just shall live by faith. That means we're going to say, "I know what is right." That means by faith, I need to what? I need to do what is right. That means I know that this is what the Bible says. I know that God wants me to do this. So I cry out, right? I say, now dear God, I know what is right. I read the Bible. I've been praying. I says, give me the grace, even though my feelings and emotions and everything else tell me something different, give me the grace of God to do your will. Not behave according to my what? Feelings, emotions, anger, whatever it is that's, that happens to be the agenda of the day. Because, listen, he is holy. He says, I'm the Lord. This is the way it's supposed to be. So we rest in that authority. We rest in his, in his good will. You say, if we don't rest in that, then we're going to rest in something else. We're going to rest on something. Well, I think it should be this way. I'm going to handle it this way. I'm going to do it this way. Listen, then we're not resting in His authority. And we're not looking to Him for the grace of God to accomplish what we're supposed to be. I promise you, if people understood this, and we're going to go through this, there would never be divorce. I'm not saying there wouldn't be an argument. I'm not saying there wouldn't be differences. But there would never, ever be a divorce. Because people wouldn't be running on their feelings, wouldn't they? They wouldn't be running on their emotions. They wouldn't be running on a mistreatment by some of their spouse or, in other cases, somebody else. They'd be operating just like our Lord Jesus Christ. So, he says in verse 3, Thou shalt fear every man his mother and his father, and keep the Sabbaths. I am what? So it's, this is something that should be, right? Mom and dad should have the knowledge, should have the understanding, should be practicing this idea of faith, and they should be passing this along by example and by teaching to their children. Yes? It's not something that they're going to get naturally or normally. They're going to get naturally and normally. While my sister, Homie, I'm going to reach over and grab her hair and jank her to the ground. That's what they pass on normally. So, look in verse number four. The Bible says in verse number four, "What turn ye not unto idols, nor make to yourselves molten gods? For I what am the Lord your God." So the idea there's a temptation, there is a temptation to depend not upon the Lord Jesus Christ, but upon some other authority outside the Word of God. Some other authority besides faith in the, in the Lord Jesus Christ. When we do that, we're turning our eyes, our heart, our mind from the Word of God to some other philosophy, be it our own, be it our parents, be it our grandparents, be it, uh, um, what was the gal that used to write in the paper all the time? Ann Landers. Ann Landers. I used to read her religiously. Forgive me. I mean, I'd re- I was, if I'd, I'd turn to read the front page and then I'd go back to Ann Landers. <laughs> then I found out Ann Landers got divorced. i know What? How is she going to tell me how to run my, That was the last day I read it. But God has a proven way. It's a temptation. As it says, Turn unto the Lord your... Turn the, I am the Lord your God. Why? Because you're going to lead you to temptation to, to believe something else, unbelief, or even when we don't follow the Lord, we're inviting imbi- in ourselves a curse. Right? I was listening to somebody the other day, and they said that 80% that's going to be somewhere in America where most people are not going to get married. He says, unbelievable. Unbelievable. And what, what happens? So, Psalm chapter 95, verse number 8, I have it up on the board again. The Bible says, What? Harden not your hearts in the provocation, as in the day of temptation in the wilderness. So don't don't look that there's gotta be another way. I, I I'm gonna run on my feelings, I'm gonna run on my uh, on what I've been taught or what I've learned. That's why it's so important that parents exemplify this to their kids. Wow. We wanna we want our kids, we 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 look forward to as parents. Boy I can't wait till my kids grow up and they get married and I get to play with the grandkids and, and boy it's gonna be a good time. And then it never happened. Because kids never end up having lives that reflect the Lord Jesus Christ. Never have good homes. So we, we understand boy, this is not just going to affect my generation, me. It's going to affect the generations that come. So the idea there is that we have, there is a temptation in verse 4 to turn to uh, some other way. Look in verse number 5. And. If you offer a sacrifice of peace offerings unto the Lord, ye shall offer it, what? At your own will. So the idea there that we don't want to just know what is right, we want to practice what is right from where? Our heart. There has to be a heart. I believe with all my heart, there's a, probably everybody in here prays. Probably most of you in here... Some degree read your Bible. But listen, the idea there, there has to be a purity that your reason you're doing it. Why am I doing it? I want to draw closer to the will of God. I want to know His will. I want to please God. I want to believe that He answers prayer and that God will work in my life. And that through that, God will bless me in such a way that I can be a blessing to others. It's not just some kind of religious activity, folks. Purity, motivation for what we do and why we do it. And because we're not just motivated, we're following the truth. And the truth will set us free. Jesus says, I am the way and the truth and the life. Matthew chapter number 5, verse number 8, he says, blessed are what? The pure in heart. So every day we think about this idea of, I need to be able to love my neighbor as myself. Love my enemies, he said. I've got to treat my enemies just as good as I would treat my wife, or my husband, or my children. I, I went through this with the young people. Does, does God look at people differently? Does He not love everybody on equal plane? Doesn't he, Would He not forgive the worst of the worst? Would He not provide for them the opportunity to be born again? Then there has to be this idea that we're going to be a pure heart just like our Lord and Savior. There has to be that. There has to be. If you're like me, how many of you feel like you've failed the Lord? <laughs> And the only thing I can say, oh God, help me to go forward. Just I know that, I know what I've been in the past, but my, you know, my heart today. I really want to please you. I really do want to go forward. I really do want to be a person of faith. I really do want to be what you want me to be. Does God know your heart when you say that? Sure, He does. Is God honored when you say that? And he's honored when you get up every morning and you say, with the best of my ability, I'm going to do what God's asked me to do. It's required. I am the Lord. Didn't he say that? I, listen, I'm not, just, I'm not just anybody out there. I am the Lord, he says. He sets on this as authority. So there has to be in. That preparation to love your neighbor as yourself. That purity. There has to be that motivation. There has to be the truth. In verse number 6, if you'll follow along, it shall be eaten. Or verse number 5. I don't know what I... Did I do verse 5? Yep. Verse number number 5. And if you offer a sacrifice of peace offering... Oh, number, I'll get it right. Verse number six. And it shall be eaten the same day you offer it on the morrow. So there's two days you have an opportunity to eat this peace offering. And if it remain unto the third day, it shall be burnt in the fire. Now, what do we want to get here is we want to understand that, listen, if we really do believe what the Bible says, then we've got to follow the scriptures and the mandates that God gives us right down to the letter. That's why we're literalist. We don't fudge with it. We don't get some, well, this is, I think this is close enough. God says, listen, if you want it to work, you've got to follow it the way I tell you to do it. He says there has to be a respect and a reverence, and when there's respect and reverence, there's going to be an obedience. When you look at the Bible, what the Bible says in the, in the book of James, is, says, Blessed is the man that endureth temptation, for when he is tried, he shall receive a crown of light, which the Lord has promised to them that what? Love him. You say, "Why did why do you pull that verse out? Because there is this temptation to fudge on what is right we'll get close to it we'll practice it one day maybe two days but we don't get to the point that we say to ourselves listen if I really do believe in the authority of God's word and I respect it who the Lord is and that he does and will work in my life then I'm going to obey it to the letter because if, if we fudge on what God says we, you know it's so easy for us to kind of put our twist on things right? You know, somebody makes a recipe. Man, this is the greatest recipe. Man, like, give me the recipe. I've got to have this recipe. It's a, it's, this is the best fudge I've ever had in my life. How do you make it? And then you read down through the list and say, three cups of sugar? I don't know how to make fudge. I'm, I'm making this up for you that know how to make fudge. I don't know how to make fudge. Three cu- No. No. That, uh, pff, I don't like sugar that much. I'm going to put two and seven-eighths. They don't make two and seven, eight. Two and three quarter cups of sugar. Is it going to be the same fudge that you really enjoyed? No, it's going to be something you created. It's going to be something of your own heart, your own mind, and your own design. Are you going to expect God's blessing on that? It ain't going to happen. It's not going to happen. That's why he says... He gives us, well, you eat the first day, the second day, but don't eat anything on that third day. Burn it! Put it in the fire, burn it! Why? Because, boy, I don't want to even get close. I want to follow to the degree. Remember the Bible says, narrow is the way that leadeth to life. Doesn't that say narrow? And he says, what does he say? Few there be the what? Most people don't like that narrow way. They want to do it a little bit. They want to put their hands on it. They want to mess with it. They want to manicure it in a way that feels makes them feel like a little better. It doesn't work that way. He says, when we really love the Lord, then we respect His Word. <clears throat> we reverence His Word and we obey it. Because we recognize that, boy, if I, if I get my hands on it, it's not going to turn out right. If I try to, try to change it the way I think it's going to it's, not going to, it's not going to happen. So we get down to number 7 and 8. Look what the Bible says. And if it be eaten on the third day, it is an abomination, it shall not be accepted. Therefore, everyone that eateth it shall bear his iniquity, because he hath profaned what. We go back to the first verse. What did the first thing he told us? I'm holy. Listen, there's not a I am the Lord thy God. I'm, I know what's best. I'm going to give you what's best. It shall not be accepted. Remember Cain? He had his own ideas on what to give God. An offering. Here's what this is acceptable. I think this is a good idea. What did God do with it? Sorry. How many of you ever thought, well, that's that's kind of narrow-minded of God, <laughs> right? How many of you ever thought that? Come on, be honest. Well, at least he tried to do something, right? I mean, he did give something to God, right? I mean, just because he didn't give a lamb, I mean, he gave from his own effort. I mean, he gave what he thought was good, and God, nope. I don't accept that. Sorry, sorry, King. Let me ask you the question. Did Cain know what he was supposed to do? Sure he did. He just decided to manage it his way. Don't do that. The just... What? The just shall live by faith. I don't know why God is so narrow this way. I don't know why He sees that this is the only way you can do it. But it doesn't really matter what I think. I'm not going to run on my feelings or emotions or what I, uh, what I think is right, I'm going to say, Thus saith the Lord. He is the Lord. Look down. Leviticus chapter 8, 19, 8. He says, Therefore, everyone that eateth it shall bear his what? Iniquity. Go ahead. Do what you think is best. Who's going who's gonna to catch the brunt of it? You are. Verse 8. Because he hath profaned, what? The hallowed thing of the Lord, that his soul shall be cut off from among the people. I mean, really? I just had a little bit. And it tasted good? I don't see why God wanted to throw it out and burn it. I mean, really? Now, God is using these illustrations for a purpose. I'm using these illustrations because Jesus reached out of Leviticus chapter 19 and pulled this and put it in Matthew chapter number 4. He says, you've heard said, hate your enemies, or love your love your neighbor, hate your enemies. How did they come up with that? Did God change over the years? He changed His mind on how to do things? Or did they say, well, this is and over the years the tradition and how people's thinking entered into what how we need to behave. How many of you think that's affected today's living? The average Christian, his, his, his spirituality is tainted by the past, by the way you were raised. Listen, we go back to what the Bible says, it shall not be, it's narrow. Doing the right thing for yourself is a prerequisite. So if I'm going to be what I need to be for my wife, I'm going to do the right thing for myself, right? I can't fudge on what God says. I must live by faith. It is a requirement. Look in verse number 9. So he goes, A life of faith abounds for others. So we've got through all the way down to verse number 8 saying this is what you need to be in my relationship with, with the Lord. He says now if you really got this right, if you really do believe that, that the just shall live by faith, if you really do believe that you're supposed to respect and, and, uh, and, and go by the truth, if you really do believe that, now your life can be for others. It's all about others. Because, listen, if it's not about others, who's it about? It's about yourself. It's about what you want to do and how you want to do it, when you want to do it. And God says, listen, I have designed you to be for others, even, guess what, not just for those that love you, but for those that hate you and despitefully use you. Say, all manner of evil against you. And you're going to go ahead and love them anyway? Really? By the grace of God you are. Through the Lord Jesus Christ you are. The life of faith. Look what it says in verse 9. And when you reap the harvest of the land, you shall not wholly reap the corners of the field, neither shall you gather the gleaning of thy harvest. You're not going to say I have to because the pure heart wouldn't say that. You're going to do this because you're doing it by faith because I what? I want to. I am concerned about others. I am concerned about their needs. Well, Why don't you just gather it all up and just dole it out to the ones that you would rather. No, God says just leave it. We're going to see this a little bit. We see this today, <clears throat> but notice what it says in verse number ten. He goes on: Faith begets what? When you live by faith, faith does what? Begets faith. When you're looking to the Lord Jesus Christ for your will, of God to be done in your life, you're doing the will of God for others, right? It gives the opportunity for others to know Christ as their Savior too. Notice what he says in verse number 10. And thou shalt not glean the vineyard, neither shalt thou every grape of the vineyard. Thou shalt leave them for the poor and the stranger, for I am the Lord your God. Listen, this is one thing we have to understand. That we don't give others an entitlement mentality. Don't do for others what they can do for themselves you realize that? You can help others, but you can also make them lose their respect for themselves. I can remember when I was, I think I mentioned this, but for those who didn't hear it, I remember when I was growing up, my dad got sick. I was probably 16, 17, when he first started getting sick. And he ended up with a disorder called Parkinson's, and he lost his ability to, to, for his mind to think correctly. I remember he said. The, I remember he, the first time he recognized that. Of course, this was before the calculators. And he started adding up. And of course, he had to keep books on the farm, and because he was a 50-50 partnership, so he had to, you know, fifty of the expenses, fifty of the, of the, of what you brought in. So he's adding up figures and he got down to after a list of seven, eight figures that he was adding up and he couldn't remember what he'd added up. You know, after you have to add up and carry it up to the next one. And I can remember that it got so bad that he could no longer decide we couldn't farm. Landlord basically says, you know, I, you know, he gave the farm to somebody else. Before that happened, why... We went through a lot. And I remember we, we basically didn't have food. And I can remember that we had an opportunity. This was when food stamps was going out. And I can remember my mom so fought that. I don't want food stamps. But she wanted to feed her family. You say, why didn't she want them? To take food stamps took away... Her self respect, and she. I remember saying, "Boy, just as soon as we get on our feet, we're going to get rid of these food stamps." So God does that too. God gives us what we need, but He doesn't expect us to sit back in our on our easy chair and, and say, "Well, here, it, it's, I'm just going to bring it to you and throw it in your lap." It, how many of you had that happen? Has God done that for you? No, he says, here it is. I'm going to give you the strength, the wisdom, and I'm going to give you opportunity, and I'm going to give you the faith, and I want you to go do it. It begets faith. A little sidetrack from where we're at, but listen, don't we want others to join us in this realm of faith? Don't we want others to know Christ as their Savior? Aren't we going to do everything possible without Giving them a, the chance to lose their self respect? Certainly we are. Faith, verse number 11. This is, if you'll find, this is crescendoing all the way up to verse number 18. Faith does what? What does it do? It builds relationships. It doesn't what? It doesn't tear them down. When it says in verse number 11, Thou shalt not steal, neither deal falsely, neither lie one to another. You know, this is written in the Ten Commandments, right? All these are in the Ten Commandments. The Sabbath, not stealing, not lying. Here we have this idea that he's leading up to. He says, we are building relationships. We have to be honest with one another, right? We, we want to give every opportunity. Boy, you, you, you make somebody feel like you're not being completely honest with them in their dealings with them. What does that do to relationships? How many have you ever been lied to? Woo. How do you feel when somebody's not been honest with you? How do you feel toward that person? See, this idea that we're going to love our neighbors, that means that we have to be really, really honest. It means we've got to be above and and clearly, so there's no doubt in their minds about our our integrity. Because who are we representing, my friends? Who do we represent? Christ. And what does Christ want to do? Does He want others to be saved? Does He want others to know the Lord? Does, Does He want your children to grow up to love God and serve God, see the goodness of God? then we're thinking about loving our neighbors as ourselves. How do you want to be treated? So verse number 11 gives us the hope. Faith, verse number 12. Faith does what? It says, And ye shall not swear by my name falsely, neither shalt thou profane the name of the Lord thy God, for I am what? So faith promotes Christ, His Word, and His glory. We are ambassadors for Christ. Doesn't the Bible tell us that in the book of Corinthians? We can't do whatever we want when we want. We can't operate that way. We are operating under his, His authority, under His strength, under His grace. And so we have this opportunity to say, listen... I, when, it, when the Bible says, Thou shalt not take the name of the Lord thy God in vain, which is another one of the commandments he gives us, it means I'm not going to misrepresent who Christ is. Most people think, well, you shouldn't swear using God's name. That's so secondary. The primary meaning is that everything I do should reflect who? The Lord Jesus Christ. Now we're going to get down into the real nuts and bolts of this real quick here. I want you to understand, if we got this part of this idea that the just shall live by faith, then everything we do, we're saying God has ordained that in my life. That means that, that, means that we have spent the time in His Word, brother, right? It means we've spent the time in prayer. We've spent the time applying what God. faith thrives on what? Justice. We want to see God work in our life, then everything we do has to reflect the glory of God and the goodness of God and the grace of God. He says, "Thou shalt not defraud thy neighbor neither rob him of wages, and him that hired shall not abide with thee all night until the morning." How I many? Something I can see the scenario playing out. Oh, you can wait till tomorrow. I mean. Right now, I, I've got to go home. I've got to, I've got this and that to do. And certainly you understand. But you have to say, this is the question. You always ask yourself the question. When you're in the will of God, what's the right thing to do? It clears up everything, right? This is what I feel like doing. How many of you got that? Don't we run on our feelings? We can't. We got to say, listen, I, I want to see my the grace of God to to God accomplishing His will, not only in my life, but in the life of somebody else, then I have to say, listen, what is the right thing to do? What is just? What is right? What would Jesus do? Forgive me for making that statement. He'd say, well, you know, no matter how I feel, no matter how I think about it, I've got to do the just or the right thing. You say, "What? why, why, why are you being so narrow with this? Why, why do you think this is such a big deal? It's either the Lord doing something in your life or it's you. It's either the Lord doing something in your life or the devil influencing you to do something else. And he don't care, he don't care if you get a little bit off of it. Just a little bit to the right or a little bit to the left. Because anything, anything to the right or the left is not Jesus. It's not the Lord working. We say we love souls. We have a heart for souls. Then we can't move to the right or to the left. We've got to say, God, what is the right thing to do? We've all said, you would all agree, boy, we need to be a soul winning church. Right? Can I get a hand on that? Yeah, pastor. Yep. That's what we need to be, a soul winning church. We need to be out there uh, talking to people about the Lord, handing out gospel tracts, witnessing to people at work, at home, wherever we go. uh, We need to be doing it. Yes, yes. Because we say we're supposed to have a love for souls. Then we need to thrive on asking ourselves the question, what is the right thing to do? Doesn't that end it? I don't know how many times I've come up with excuses for different things that I know I should be doing. How many are good at making excuses? Oh man, I've got, every, I've got it so well down pat. I've got every angle figured out on how to make excuses. But every time you do that, the more you're in tune with who Jesus Christ is, the more you figure out that righteousness is the only path he's on, and justice is the only path. Once you figure that out, then you just simply ask yourself, well, what's the right thing to do? And the more you know this book, the narrower it gets. You don't even say, well, I know it's just me (laughs) now. I know what I feel like doing. Oh, I can't do it. Okay, God, I I heard what you said. I know what you want me to do. Doesn't that simplify the will of God? <laughs> we make the will of God. Well, I wonder what the will of God is. Who made it hard? It's when you choose many of those other choices that are out there that are not what God said. When thus saith the Lord, I am the Lord. Verse number 14. Thou shalt not curse the deaf, nor put a stumbling block before the blind, but thou shalt what? Fear God. I, and what's he going to say again? I am the what? I am the Lord. It ought to be that when we have that understanding of justice and right and the will of God, compassion is ignited and fueled by faith. I, I just love that word ignited. I had a problem when I was a kid. I loved to play with fire. Did. Uh, yeah. My brother, got he was big at it too. We, caught, we had a big old, uh, 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 the, well, they're not existing anymore, but we used, they used to have wooden wheeled uh, wagons. I, am I that old? And they had steel, big steel uh, rims around the wooden spokes. And I'd never seen them used, but they were rack wagons. I don't know, left over from the day. But Dad had them out, and he put them, He'd roll them out into the into. We used to move our hog pens from the lot to lot because they'd get disease if you didn't do that. And so he put these hog racks out there because out in where we lived, there was no trees. And so he put these, and then he just throws, strew boards and hay and straw and over the top of these rack wagons. Well. Me and my brother, we got playing with matches. <laughs> well, we catch these little straw on fire. Well little straw caught the old dry wood on fire and got the hay rack on fire. Pretty soon we had the whole thing burning down. Ooh, there was a hot time in the old town after that. And Dad found out we did that. Brother got the worst of it. I think I told on him. I didn't do it. <laughs> I was enjoying what he was doing, but I didn't do it. I didn't say that either. Alright. So we gotta look at some things, I think, in order to get a little farther with this. Take your Bibles and turn to Second Chronicles chapters thirty-six. And verse number fifteen. Second Chronicles chapter thirty six and verse two. This is the Lord. Second Chronicles. Chapter 36. Does God have compassion? Do we need to even ask that question? God is dealing with sinful people continually. We think we're better than we really are. Second Chronicles chapter 36. Look at verse number 15 with me. What's it say about the Lord? And the Lord, <clears throat> God of our fathers, sent to them by messengers, rising up betimes, sending, because he had what? Compassion. He says, I see what you're doing. I'm not liking what you're doing. I'm going to warn you, you're not, you I need to change from that. You don't deserve a warning. You know what is right. You know what is wrong. He says, but he had compassion on his people and on his dwelling place. Verse 16, but they did what? But they mocked the messengers of God and despised his words and misused his prophet until the wrath of the Lord rose against his people until there was no remedy. The options were gone. But listen, you want to see... And when we we say we love souls, want to have a heart for souls, we want to look like Jesus did on the fields that were what? White under harvest. Jesus, when He looked at the lost and when He looked at the people around Him, when He looked at the needs that were there, He had what? Compassion. We want to love our neighbor as ourselves, Right? Then we've got to say, listen, I've got to be able to see and meet needs when they arise. Practice it. Employ it. Because, listen, faith. We're getting there. We're at verse 15. It says what? In the book of Leviticus, chapter 19, verse 15, And you shall do no unrighteousness in judgment, Thou shalt not respect the person of the poor, nor honor the person of the mighty, but in righteousness shalt thou judge thy neighbor, what? As thyself. Judge thy neighbor, I'm sorry. We live in a world of politics. We play the game, believe it or not. I I, In all my 64 years, every place I've worked, every church I've been in, there's politics. That means that politics is what's going to be best for me. Right? Not what's best for everybody else, but what's best for me. So you have this, I have no respect. God doesn't look at the king any more than he does at the pauper. You and I do the same thing. Faith discovers and abolishes all personal prejudices and biases. And we're going to get down again to the lie of Satan. In verse number 16. Thou shalt not go up and down as a talebearer among the people, neither shalt thou stand against the blood of thy neighbor. I am what? The Lord. Now we're going back to these interpersonal relationships that are so vitally important. We've got all these concepts of, of the commandments all the way up to this point, and now we're getting down. Listen, we live in a very sinful world. Got that? I mean, it, 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 no matter how great you may be and more, how much you might live by faith, guess what? You're going to be done wrong to. Right? I mean, you know what I'm talking about. It's just it's just the way it is. And, and when you're done wrong to, that person that you thought was either neutral to you, all of a sudden has the potential... Or has become your enemy. And what do we want to do when somebody offends us? Woo. We're running on full steam on our what? Emotions and feelings. Right? How many been there? How I many just raises up in us? Whoa, you just feel it coming up. Feel it on your face. In everything about you. Everything about you feels your emotions are taking over. And so what do we want? We want to be justified. And the only way we can do it is that if we're not secure, boy, is this a big one. One of the big things that affect me, and I'm sure without a doubt affect you, is you have to be secure in your relationship to the Lord Jesus Christ. That no matter how somebody treats you, And one of the ones, the big ones, is how your spouse treats you. (laughs) You don't believe how he or she treated me and what she said to me. And boy, I fail at this completely. Oh my goodness. If my wife was up here, she'd be saying amens in her heart. Because listen, you've got to be secure. Secure. That means you've got to have such a walk with God and such a a, a a life of faith with the Lord Jesus Christ, no matter how somebody treats you, they will never ever be your enemy. What did Jesus say when they were, when they were crucifying him? What did he say? Could he rain fire down from heaven and swallowed them all up? Could he? Could he? Huh. Well, what did he say? Lord, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. They have no idea what they're doing. Was he loving them at that point? Was he loving them? Was he caring about them? Was he going on his emotions and feelings? Or was he secure in his love of his Father to him? Lord, this is what you sent me to do. I'm doing what you told me to do, I'm behaving the way you want me to behave. I'm honoring you by not going by my feelings and emotions. I'm going to go ahead. I'm just going to go ahead and do what? I'm going to go ahead and do your will. I'm going to go ahead and obey what you've told me to do. I'm just going to follow that, that very narrow way, that plan, that purpose that you had for my life. Let me say something to you, Christian. Should you and I not be on that same narrow way? Says, I'm not going by my feelings. I'm not going by my I'm not going to care how they treated me. God has planted me here. God has uh, guided me here. I'm not going to go on that. I'm going to go by what God has designed is. You know what? You cannot do that without the Lord Jesus Christ. You will not do it. Right now, I dare say. Most, if not all, everyone in here goes by their feelings and emotions. It's, it is. It, it, when you reach a point where you've been offended or somebody's taken advantage of you or you've heard something uh, of a derogatory thing that's happened, the very first thing is not that you pray for them, but you get angry, right? You get all steamed up inside and you get all stormy inside. And you want to. You may not say anything verbally, but boy, your mind's coming up with some stuff. And he says here, the person of faith, what I've written here, the person of faith is secure. Boy, that's a big word. Secure. You know what secure is? I walked into TCF the other day and it's the one right down the street here and went, trying to get this thing fixed for getting this van sold. And man, they have a huge safe. They've got a door on that safe. I mean, it's probably half the size of this pew or maybe three-quarters the size of this pew. That thing stands this tall. Yeah, about that. Maybe I can say About that tall. And that thing's about that thick. And it's got these big, these big bolts. And when they close the door, they crank that thing and all these bolts go into the side. <laughs> that thing's secure. See, when you're secure in Christ, nothing is going to offend you. Nothing. We're saying we're going to go out we have a love for souls, a heart for souls, then we have got to understand this concept that Satan says, listen, you can't love them. You don't even know how to love your wife or your husband the way you should. You're not gonna be a you're not gonna have a heart for souls, a love for souls. You you're supposed to love those people that hate you. Say all manner of evil. You're gonna go out and do that. You can't even practice the right thing in your own home. You're running on your feelings, on your emotions. You're not running on the grace of God and the truth of God and the righteousness of God and the justice of God. And we can say we I'm not saying we won't go out there but we won't go out through the goodness and grace of the Lord Jesus Christ I don't care what they do I don't care what they say I love them in spite of them as myself. I never forget the person that brought me the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. Very dear person in my life. And wow, where would I be if that person had to introduce me to Christ? Look at verse number 15. Oop, go the wrong way. Verse number 17. Here's where we've got to break it down. This is a verse. There's three things in this verse 17. And I'm running out of time. But I pray that you'll take, and if you, and, and I'll maybe go through this very, very, very quickly because I've got to close. The roast beef's going to burn. Verse seventeen: Faith discovers the tools for interpersonal relationship. Verse seventeen: Look at it, read it with me. Thou shalt not what? There's it is. What's it, thou shalt not? Hate. We're going to break that verse, that part of the verse down, the second part, and the third part. What does it mean to hate? You look at the definition of the word hate. You probably can't read it from up where you're at, most of you. But the very first part, Thou shalt not hate thy brother. Hate, to dislike greatly, is portions of the Bible would apply to that. The book of Romans chapter... Um, would also say, would apply to that. Luke chapter number six, Proverbs 1. How long shall fools hate knowledge? That would greatly dislike, to have a great diversion to, express less than abhor uh, something. But look in verse 2. In the scripture, it signifies to what? Love less. So when you go back and it says, Thou shalt not hate thy brother in thine heart, that means that we cannot lower. Please get this. God does not change in his love for us. How many agree with that? So when we think about, I've got to remain consistent in my love no matter whether this person is a good person, a bad person, whether they appreciate me or not, whether it's my wife, whether it's my son, whether it's my daughter, whether it's my husband, it doesn't matter who it is. I've got to love them the same. What if they treat me bad? i got to love them the same. What if they lie against me? i got to love them the same. I can't change. So there has to be this understanding The Scripture signifies that we have to maintain a level of love no matter what is being done or said or played out against us. Because listen, we're going to love souls. We've got to love them regardless. Right? We can't go by our feelings. We can't, oh, I don't feel like loving them today. I don't feel like being nice. I don't feel like handing out tracks today. I don't feel like we can't go by feelings. We have to love them, saying, listen, no, I gotta I gotta hold this emotion and feeling in check. Look at the Bible verses what it says. Turn your Bible really quick. Genesis chapter 27. You may have to come back tonight if you really want to. But we're gonna look at some verses together. Verse 27, verse 41. What's the Bible say? And Esau hated Jacob because the blessing wherewith his father blessed him. And Esau said in his heart, The days of mourning of my father are at hand. Then I will slay my brother. He loved less. Something affected his relationship with his brother. Proverbs chapter 26. We're going to spend a little bit of time on this one. Because this is a big one. For the young people in my class, you help mom and dad understand this. Proverbs, chapter 26. Look at verse number 24. He that disassembleth with his lips and layeth up deceit within him In verse 25, And when he speaketh fair, believe him not, for there are seven abominations in his heart. You ever had a problem with somebody and you can't tell them? Ever had a, I, I'm so good at this, I'm ashamed of it, but I'm very good at it. Debbie rubs me the wrong way sometimes. I know I rub her the wrong way. That's probably the reason she rubs me the wrong way. And I can't tell her. I many have been like that? You aggravate me. I didn't say it out loud. I said it where? How many ever done that? You aggravate me. Well, you, you really make me. You don't say it out loud. Why don't you say it out loud? Because you don't feel like I should. I just want them to know that. I don't know how they're going to know it. I'm not going to tell them. Well, I can see some of you have been there and done this too much. He that hateth disassembleth with his lips. That means you're going to create some kind of, a, of a, an aversion there. And you're going to let them know, but you're not going to tell them outright. And layeth up deceit within him. It means that it, basically, this, whatever's gone wrong, it's going to start affecting the way you behave. You know what I'm saying? How many you know what I'm talking about? It's going to affect the way you think, the way you talk, the way you, way you act. In verse number... 24, 25, when he speaketh fair, what? Right? I got something going on with him, but I can't tell him. Huh? Right? I got something going on with him, I can't tell him. I said, hi, hey, Mom. Hi, I mean, it's all right. Hey, Mom, you, give me a good Leave, right. How many abominations do I have in my heart? If something's going on, you do it. Listen, we're going to love our neighbor as ourselves. This idea that we're going to get this out—verse number twenty-five. He says, "Listen." He says, "Verse 25, Who? Who's? Verse twenty-six. Hey, covered by the seed, his wickedness shall be shown before the whole congregation. I'll say it right. Before the whole congregation. Let me say something. And we'll get into this in a moment. Let's look at a couple more verses. 1 John chapter 2. 1 John chapter number 2. 1 John chapter number 2. Look at verse number 9. He that's... And saith he is in the light, and hateth his brother as what? Well. That means if you got a grudge against somebody, right? And you say you're living for God and you're walking with God, you need to do what? Leave your gift before the altar and go make it right, right? First John chapter two and verse number eleven. But he that hated his brother in the darkness walketh in darkness and knoweth not whether he goeth because darkness has what? Blinded his eyes. So when you go back to this first verse, that we this first part of this verse, Thou shalt not hate thy brother where? Where? In your heart. It can't happen. I cannot have ill feelings toward anybody. How many would agree with me? That is a Bible concept. That means if I've got something going wrong with some relationship, some interpersonal relationship, and I've got to, uh, and I'm storing this up, it's gotta get out. How many would agree with that? It's gotta get fixed. Something's gotta happen. Because God isn't in it. First John chapter 3, verse 12. Not as Verse number 11, for this is the message that we heard from the beginning, that we should love one another. Not as Cain, who was of that wicked one, and slew his brother. Wherefore he him, because his own works were evil and his brothers were righteous. So we can't harbor hate. Or a less love. I know. Please, take some time here with me. Because we use the word hate, we don't think that applies to us. Less love when you're not right with your wife or you're not right with your husband, please understand, are you loving them to the degree God loves them? No. So if you're loving them less, you're doing what? You're hating them. How many have been guilty of that? Ah, The one you say you love the most, you literally hate in your heart. And God is opposed to you. Is that right? God is because you are not reflecting His image or His will. You're profaning Him. Who He is. He's holy. He doesn't change. 17, verse relationship. Faith discovers the tools for... Look at verse number... The second part of the. Thou shalt in any wise rebuke thy neighbor. Wow. Now let's look at this. Because when I read here, Thou shalt not in any wise rebuke thy neighbor. Thou shalt not is not in that verse. I just put it in there. It fit, sounded good, didn't it? But it says, Thou shalt in any wise rebuke thy neighbor. That means that we need to bring what's in here out. Right? It's got to come out. And we're out of time. Please come back. I'd like to just I would stay here if you guys want to stay. I'd love to stay here. But I run my time out. But this here is basically saying you have got to get it fixed. That means what you're feeling on the inside. If it's been an injustice, what needs to happen? What do you need to do? Let me give you the practice. Zach, we went over this, right? What do we need to do? First thing. You've got to get it right. What's the first thing? What do you think you need to do? Somebody's done you wrong. Pray to God. Thank you. First thing you're going to pray. Say, Lord, I've got a problem. I feel in my heart like I want to do what? What's that word we don't use? Hate! I want to hate this person. Love less. First God's going to say to you, are you the problem? Right? We don't like to agree to that, do we? You might be the problem. Or it could be you and them. How I many you know that happened? Usually snowballs like that. So let's look to at least one verse. Psalm 141, verse 5. And then I can wait and do it next week. Psalm 141, verse 5. See what the Bible says about rebuke. Psalm 141. All right, almost the What's the Bible say? Verse number five. Let the righteous man smite me. Huh, that's not sound very good, does it? Let the righteous smite me. It shall be what? It shall be kindness. Let him what? Reprove me, it shall be excellent what? Oil. Which shall not break my head, for yet my prayer also shall be their calamity. So we need uh, for you and I that want to clam up, I'm like that. I get I get something going wrong in my life. Okay, I'm just I won't talk to them no more. I don't how many have done that? I don't I don't talk to them. I, I have nothing to do with it. Is that the right way? Something that has to be fixed by the grace of God. So we need to go to them. First, you're going to pray to God. Secondly, you're going to frame what you say in such a godly way that you're going to say, listen, I just want to get this fixed. What I, want, I want to say how I've been offended, but I want to put it in a way that says I'm not out to hurt you I just want—I've been offended, or maybe you've been offended. I just want to fix this. And you might go over and say, "You know, I think this is what I said. Maybe you did this wrong. I certainly didn't mean it that way. And I know when, but please forgive me that. And I just want to tell you what you said hurt me, or what you did hurt me, or it may be when you're praying to God, God just says you're the jerk, <laughs> huh?" Listen, folks, I wish I'd go through the 11 of these verses. I'm tempted, but I won't do it. Come back tonight, we're going we're to catch the rest of this. But it's so important. I, re- I really believe, only because I know what I've been as a pastor, as a person, I don't think I've done this the right way. And I'm thinking, boy, I don't know that I've seen anybody handle this consistently the right way. So let's ask ourselves the question. Jesus pulled out of the Old Testament Leviticus and put it in Matthew chapter 5 to love your neighbor as yourself. Love your enemies. And if we're, if that is the foundation in which we are going to build a church upon, that we're going to go and love others outside this, then we've got to learn to love the ones that are within this framework. You've got to learn to do it in your marriage. And you've got to learn to do it in your home. And then you've got to learn to apply that in the church. And if those places in the marriage, in the family, and in the church take place, then there's going to be a likelihood that it's going to seep out in our every other relationship that God gives us. But if it doesn't happen here, if it doesn't happen with your marriage, and if it doesn't happen with your children, if it doesn't happen in the church, then we can say we love souls, and we can say we have a heart for souls, but in reality, God isn't in it. You understand what I'm saying? God is not in it. I'm asking you to join with me. I, I would say I'm the worst culprit with this. I, I so struggle with confronting things that I need to deal with. I want you to join with me and say, let's fix this. Let's just fix it. By the grace of God, let, you come back tonight, we'll go over the rest of these verses, but let's just fix it. Wouldn't it be nice if we knew how to fix our, our relationships with our wife, our husband? And with people that... How many, how many think you're probably going to get offended in the future? probably be today you better know how to fix it because that is the essence of Christ working through us sinners accomplishing a a wonderful thing let's stand as we close Heavenly Father we thank you Lord we just thank you the Bible is so 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 consistent because, Father, you don't change. And, Father, I almost believe that when you spoke those words on the mount, that, Father, I, I had to believe that, Father, you were uh, disappointed that we'd misconstrued who you are. And we judged that the little things weren't that important. And yet, Father, you said that if we really know you, if we really love you, if we really want to serve you, we're going to love enemies. And we're going to treat other people like you treat them. And we're going to fix situations and difficulties and challenges no matter who they are in our lives. Lord, please, we don't want to continue on. We want to break this 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 chain that father is affecting families and generations father we want to be a soul that love a church that loves souls and has a heart it's got to begin here pray you just bless this invitation in Jesus name